1: All right everybody, guys and girls, welcome back to another edition of the SmackDown Review right here on the WWE Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Ritter. You can find me on Twitter at Michael Five Ritter and on Instagram at Michael Ritter5, also the host of the Football Function Podcast, available on all of your podcasting platforms, including the one that you're listening to this show on right now. Speaking of that show, we're getting into playoff season, so if you are a football fan, I know that there might not be a huge you know, margin of the wrestling fans that like football, but if you are and you are interested in football and you want to hear some playoff analysis, go ahead and go check that out. We had a wild card weekend preview show drop just today, so definitely will like that if that is something you're interested in, but I will say, all right, now that we're past all that stuff, that's not why you guys are here. You guys are obviously here to talk about wrestling. You guys are here to talk about the SmackDown that aired on January 14th, 2022 from Omaha, Nebraska. This is the 66th edition of my SmackDown review. So we're going to do things a little bit different than what we have on every single episode previous to this. Now, as you guys know, I took the show over in late 2020 towards the end of, I guess you can say, like the the summer season, kind of right into fall. Right whenever they did the – um the draft before this past draft, the draft where Roman Reigns officially was on SmackDown, and SmackDown was officially a, a part of Fox, and they had the executives in the War Room, and it was that you know that crazy little scenario that they had. I know you guys know what I'm talking about, but anyways, that's when I started covering the show all of 2021 as well, and now here in the 2022, I just feel like it's time that we shake things up a little bit, and I feel like not only is putting a fresh coat of paint, maybe a new format, a new style of the SmackDown review is beneficial, but also you know, as Vince McMahon says, shake things up a bit and do things a little bit different and also rejuvenate me a little bit and kind of, you know, get my juices flowing again here on the SmackDown Review. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring somebody new on and have somebody co-host the show with me. Now, this is a new wrestling fan and he's on right, well, he's on with me right now. He is, uh he started watching in SummerSlam, I believe it was, August here, the end of summer in 2021. So he's going to tell you all that stuff once I introduce him. But that's pretty much what I'm saying here. The um the new style that we're gonna do here is basically an experienced wrestling fan and a brand new wrestling fan. So you're gonna get that perspective live. You're gonna see those conversations happen, and you're gonna see a lot of discussions happen where you know not only is he getting more familiar with you know things in the wrestling business, but also an overall new feel to this show. So without fin or any further or I'm gonna go ahead and introduce this guy, one of my good buddies, John Carosco. John, how you doing, bud?
0: I'm doing pretty good man I appreciate you for having me on and everything like that so just bear with me you know kind of go through the motions
1: oh yeah I'm for sure the
0: whole podcast thing so you know definitely a first little ride I guess you could say
1: yeah, man, I'm gonna guide this shit for you. It's gonna be pretty easy, cause you know, at first you think yeah, it's a it's some huge deal. You know, you're on this platform. A lot of people are gonna hear your voice. All this stuff, but at the end of the day, all it is is you're talking wrestling. You know, we just watched a two-hour show SmackDown, pretty entertaining one, I will say, one of the better ones that I can remember. A lot of good stuff happened. You got you got introduced to Lita. I know you really didn't get a chance to see her in her heyday. There are some things that you probably need to go back and look up. For instance, is you know, go to YouTube, type in lita and edge on monday night raw i'm sure you'll find a video at some point that uh you know you'll know what i'm talking about anyways but there's some other things that she did as well like michael cole mentioned four-time women champ there's a lot of things about her that um that i feel like you would have liked had you watched you know during her era a lot of other things happened as well clearly the main attraction of the of the show the main event was that face to face between roman reigns and seth rollins Mm -hmm. so this was a pretty good episode of smackdown so it's going to be easy to talk about and that's kind of what i was saying there is like once you kind of sit down and you just realize what it is, it's just, you know, kind of just sitting here having a conversation about a product that you like. That's really all of it is. So don't worry. Not going to be any, uh, any stress needed here. This is a, this is a comfortable environment here on the WWE podcast. As you know, as you've kind of been listening to over the past couple of weeks, I mean, you know how I am, obviously, you know me off air, like actually in person. So I'm definitely glad that you're, that uh, you're going to be joining me here. And I do appreciate you taking the time. Out of your evening to come over here and help me do this but anyways are you ready to go ahead and dive into this episode of smackdown and um talk about what exactly happened here
0: oh yeah i mean definitely like you're saying man there's like a lot of past stuff that i wasn't involved with at the time not watching so it's kind of cool that you know having to go back into the history to kind of catch up with what's going on right now it's oh, yeah. kind of a new thing because of course i thought it was like going abs like a consistent storyline where i started you know so now it's starting to bring in some past stuff instead of like actually going with the future and present you know
1: exactly yeah and you kind of saw a little bit of that with those video packages that they were showing today with you know the shield days and seth rollins Mm -hmm. and roman reigns how they have history and we'll definitely get into all of that but you kind of mentioned it i guess i kind of did um jump the gun a little bit there before we get into the smackdown review why don't you go ahead and just talk about you know, what your introduction to wrestling was, like what made you become a fan, first off, and then who your favorite wrestler is now. Just basically what what you like about the product now that you are a fan. Oh,
0: well, it started like, well, it wasn't like a consistent me watching, but what drew, kind of drew me back into the WD, WWE brand, I guess you could say, is The Fiend. You know, he was just an intriguing character, you know, came in just. Random times, I guess you could say, put a little claw on you. I don't know his, his exact move, I guess you could say, but
1: metal claw. That kind of yeah,
0: that was just something yeah. that kind of drew me back into it. So I started watching just bits and pieces, and eventually just started following the storyline and everything like that, you know. So like around, like you said, some or SummerSlam is where it started getting consistent. Favorite character at the moment, Uh it's kind of tough. I, I'm on the Seth Rollins side. I know it's on the, the raw side, but yeah, no worries. That, 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 that's, yeah, that's the character that I, I'm kind of seeing at the time that I'm interested in.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's one of the best in the business, and he kind of mentions that. I'm excited to get into that promo. Seth Rollins is without mm-hmm. a doubt one of the best wrestlers in not only WWE but the entire wrestling industry as a whole. I mean he's easily one of the guys that's going to attract new fans as well as The Fiend, I and mean, when you see The Fiend right. – you don't even have to be a wrestling fan. You could like be attracted like to horror movies, stuff like that. And that type of stuff is going to catch your eye and maybe bring you to the product. And especially if you're like a Bray Wyatt fan who before he was the fiend, he had a pretty big fan base as well. So just bringing them along with all the new people. It was just a pretty fun little experience that, um, that fans like you and other fans, you know, who lots even before them all kind of got to experience in a different way. But, um, I will say <clears throat> we'll get into this Smackdown review really quickly here and this one opens with the Usos. Now, I was kind of confused here because they do mention Roman Reigns, but we really don't see them with Roman Reigns too much anymore. You know, they kind of show up whenever he needs them, like we saw a little bit later in the show. But in terms of like backstage and all that stuff, there's no more Paul Heyman. There's no more Usos. Roman Reigns is basically running solo here. And I do kind of like that. I want to see how it looks on screen, how it kind of feels, I guess you can say, if it feels as natural as this newer version of Roman Reigns kind of feels, just the Hill version. Just seems so natural, at least with the um, with the guidance of Paul Heyman and the assistance of the Usos. But, I mean, like I said, it was just kind of weird. Like I kind of wanted to point that out here quickly before we got any further. It's just it is weird seeing them kind of by themselves. But they talk about how the last week, whenever they beat the New Day, they proved that they are the best tag team in the WWE. And then they announced that there's going to be a fatal four-way number one contenders match to determine who their next challengers are going to be for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Now, in this match, they announced it's going to be Los Lothario's. Mansoor and cesaro jinder mahal and shanky and then the viking raiders and then it kind of it was a little bit of a weird sequence that happened before the match like the usos were in the ring with the referee and they and then they announced that the rules before the match are that there are going to be no rules except they need to remember that they are the ones them being the usos are referring to themselves you know and then jimmy hits Mansoor with a super kick and then runs out of the ring but then immediately runs into commentary. Like I thought that was weird. Like why did they just let, like he just kicked you in the face and he goes and sits right there, like right there, 15 feet away. Like you're just going to sit there and go on with your match. Like I, I understand you got to be professional. You don't want to blow the opportunity for your team. If you go over there, get interfered or get interfered with, get disqualified, all that good stuff. So I guess you got to take the high road as a babyface. And that's what sword does, but that's just kind of one thing that I pointed out there. Like man, I thought maybe they were going to run away. The fact that I saw that they were, you know, sitting there on commentary kind of just. Added a little bit of a of a twist to that whole dynamic, but like I said, they do bring out the the four tag teams for this Fatal 4 match, and they have it. This match was really fast-paced, high energy, especially with the Usos on commentary with Pat McAfee. I mean, you can imagine the the energy that they were bringing just audio-wise, not even to mention the action that was going on in the ring. And like I said, it was really fast-paced. It ended when the Viking Raiders hit Garza with the Viking experience, and they earned themselves a number one contenders match. Against the New Day. So, I mean, as far as this tag team division goes, I mean, people have their own opinions on it. Some people think it's too deep. Some people think it's not deep enough. And the the reason why they think it's too deep is because they're not utilizing anybody. So, I mean, you're not going to have anybody just say, oh, my gosh, there's too many tag teams in WWE. But in a sense, there are too many whenever no, like not any of them are being used. You know what I'm saying? Like they're kind of just reusing the same matchups over and over again. At least that's what I'm seeing on SmackDown. That's what they've kind of been doing. Now the Viking Raiders get an opportunity at the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Do you feel like they have a legitimate shot to take the titles off the Uso's? I mean, the Uso's have had these belts for a long time now.
0: Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, I, I kind of see, like, the momentum that they're building and everything like that. But I don't see them as a, as a powerful tag team couple. Or I guess you could say, you know, like yeah. going forward, if they were to beat them, like – like, what, what, what else for them, you know? Like, I just see them as a, I don't know, as a good little powerhouse, I guess you could say, but not, nothing that you can keep consistent with, you know, story wise.
1: Yeah. Um, and even, and <clears> even <throat> if they don't, even if they don't take the titles, I at least want to see a good push. Like, I want to see a good match. Mm-hmm. I want them to look strong. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe push the Usos to their quote unquote limit, as the announcers mm-hmm. like to say sometimes, or maybe get cheated out, like not lose clean, like have something happen, whether it be by hook or crook. The Usos kind of bring a steel chair in the ring while the referee's not looking, hit him in the head, maybe take the the padding off the turnbuckle. He hits his head on the top turnbuckle. There's ways you can do that. Maybe put your foot on the rope. There's easily ways that you can make this like a a sloppy finish or like a a crooked finish and a I guess a cheating win for the Usos. So that's kind of what I would like to see if anything because I do want to see other tag teams get boosted up. If they just run through the Viking Raiders – the Viking Raiders who won that fatal four way match, what's that say about the rest of the the division? So you want some challengers, you want some worthy opponents for the Usos, but I do kind of agree. I don't think that right here, right now, is the time. Closer to WrestleMania season, maybe even at the pay per view, I could maybe see the um the Usos dropping those tag team titles. But let's go ahead and move on here. We'll transition into something else that's a little bit more entertaining. And more of a long-term story that we've been seeing here on SmackDown. Sonya Deville is approached by Naomi backstage. And she says that Naomi, that is toying with her is one thing, you know, going out there trying to do what you can to make her life miserable. That's one thing. But whenever you're starting to affect her career and interfere with other matches, that's whenever you kind of, you know, you cross the line and that's just a whole nother animal for her. And that's what she says Sonya did last week by constantly interfering in her match with Charlotte, you know, going out there changing the rules. Definitely as I like to say, moving the goalpost, you know, to try to help Charlotte anytime that Naomi looked like she had a chance to um to get the win. And Sonya kind of plays the I'm your boss card and tells Naomi that, you know, you can't touch her when I'm wearing this suit, and she threatens her with a fine and a suspension. I mean, are you enjoying this this slow build, this really slow burn here? Or do you wish that you know, I mean it's been a while now. They've been doing this, if I'm not mistaken, since November, this whole little slow build between Sonia DeVille having some type of vendetta against Naomi and holding her back from all types of opportunities and just screwing her out of everything every single time she's like on camera you know that somewhere Sonya Deville is coming soon you know if if Naomi's in the ring something's about to happen with Sonya If, if Naomi is backstage giving an interview or something like that you know that Sonya's about to come out I mean it is kind of entertaining but I'm curious what your perspective is on that whole dynamic like do you feel like it should have already been blown off by now
0: I'm I'm not really a fan of it. I I believe, like in my opinion, that it should have been done whenever they had the actual match. Yeah. And again, Sonia of course, she pulled some strings for it to be an offset match, and it it just wasn't something that I wanted to see carry on. You know, I figured it would have been done a long time ago, but it kind of does give to where like where it's brought it now. You know, like it's it's given Naomi also a disadvantage, but also an advantage. To keep on moving with the momentum that she got, you know It's because it's like, of course, Sonia, she's the business So she's just pulling or using the authority to kind of, like you said, mess with everything that she got going But then again, look where it's gotten her Yeah No, So I can't really say that it's been a bad thing But I can't really say that it's also been a a good thing for her
1: Yeah You know Oh yeah, definitely. And the reason why I kind of enjoy the the slower process is because you don't really see this from WWE too often anymore. Like more often than not, they like to blow things off too quickly. Like Matt, the host of this show, he is the um he's he's famous for saying that like if you're a heel, like, say, Baron Corbin, for instance, if you get heat in the beginning of the night, and by heat we mean, like, if you piss the crowd off, if you get the better hand of the babyface, like, say, you you cheat, you you get a low blow or something like that, and you get away with it, and the crowd's like, man, we really want to see this guy get his ass kicked, you can build that heat. You can not have it happen that same night of Raw. You can let a week go by, build onto the storyline a little bit, let the fans want to see this dude get his ass kicked a little bit more, and then it kind of develops a little bit where – WWE more often than not will have that happen that same show. Like they'll, they'll get you pissed off at a guy in the opening segment, especially on Raw, or at least back whenever I was watching Raw on a weekly basis, they would get you pissed off at somebody, they'd build some heat at the beginning of the show, and then towards the end, maybe even in that same segment, they would blow it off and have the dude get his ass kicked. So there's just different ways, there's different formulas to go about that. So I do appreciate them kind of prolonging this a little bit and making you want it. Like me, for instance, I want to see it, you know. I want to see Sonya get her ass kicked. I really do. And I'm I'm calling it now. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's any, you know, bold prediction or anything like that. But Sonya's going to cause Naomi to get eliminated from the Royal Rumble. Some way, somehow, it's going to happen. Watch. Naomi's going to look like she's going on a hot streak. Now, if it comes down to, like, the final four, like, if it happens towards the very end of the Rumble, because then you're talking about she had a really big chance or at least a really good chance to win the Rumble and Sonya interferes late in the match, then, you know, it's a little bit different. But I could see it being, like, a middle of the thing, you know, maybe – or, in fact, I already know what's going to happen. They're gonna talk about whenever they're figuring out their numbers. They're gonna they're gonna figure out who's going in number one, number two, number three, all that good stuff. Because that's how you do it. You find out randomly what number you enter in the Royal Rumble, and the later your number, the better advantage. Obviously, if you have number thirty, you have a damn good chance to win the whole thing. If you enter number one, you got to go through twenty nine other people. So there is advantages to what number you pick. Naomi's gonna come out number one. I promise you. You could already book that. And if she does make a run, if she goes on some miraculous run where she. You know, has a little bit of momentum late in the match, something's going to happen. But I promise you, Sonya is going to screw Naomi some way, somehow, in this Royal Rumble. But we can go ahead and transition a little bit since we're talking about people getting screwed. Somebody who's made a career, at least a run here lately, out of being screwed, Sami Zayn. He comes to the ring, and he says before he gets back to what's really important to him, which is obviously getting back that Intercontinental Championship – he needs to handle the Johnny Knoxville stuff first, and he announces that he's in the Royal Rumble in the process, Sammy Zayn that is, so we're going to get him in the match. But I also noticed that there was like a ramp, like a, a dirt bike ramp, a skateboard ramp, sitting down there at the end of the actual ramp that the wrestlers walked down. So there was a ramp on top of the ramp. But anyways, Sammy plays his own version of Jackass, and he calls it Insane. has his own little theme song that's kind of similar to the Jackass theme song. And he gets inside of a grocery, or yeah, a grocery basket with a couple of enhancement talent pushing him. And then Sammy says, "I'm Sammy Zayn, and I'm gonna ramp the shopping cart into the ring." <laughs> you know, like trying to you know take a little page out of the Jackass guys, obviously. But he begins that second thoughts though. Obviously, starts to kind of chicken out, and eventually does. And the crowd does not like that. They start to boo the hell out of him whenever he gets out of the grocery basket. He gets in the ring, tells them to shut their mouth. Rick Boog shows up with a new look. I will say that kind of caught me off guard seeing Rick Boogs with a haircut. That was pretty strange. But he distracts Sami Zayn um for enough time for Shinsuke Nakamura to sneak up behind him, takes him out, and then Boogs throws Sami Zayn over the top rope onto a landing pad. So I will say really quickly here, I mean I, I didn't even recognize Rick Boogs at first. I had no idea who the hell he was. I was like, wait a minute. Did I miss an episode of SmackDown 2? Like who the hell is this dude? Did he come out of nowhere? Like – and then I realized, oh my gosh, that's Rick Boogs. He just got a haircut, so that's going to be different. He didn't come out playing his electric guitar, so is that a thing of the past now? Because, I mean, keep in mind, he's come out to distract people for Shinsuke in the past, but he still has his guitar. That's usually part of it. He's usually playing it, and that's what initially gets them to be distracted. But I'll get your opinion on this if you have anything to say on the uh, the Sami Zayn stuff and anything like that. But I will say, because you said you started watching in August. Well, coincidentally, Sami, or Shinsuke Nakamura hasn't defended his intercontinental championship since august so during the entire time that you've been a wrestling fan you have not seen that intercontinental championship be defended if i'm not mistaken because shinsuke nakamura has been holding it hostage and that's a problem for me because i'm I'm a big i'm a big fan of the intercontinental championship that's one of the bigger championships in my opinion it's one of the more prestigious one of the more historic a lot of stuff goes you know behind all that and there have been wrestlers who have done a good job holding it. Shinsuke Nakamura is a fine wrestler. You know he could do a good job with that champion. This is 100% a booking problem. This is a creative problem. Like what the hell are you doing? They've left it off of several pay-per-views. They just, for whatever reason, they just don't care about this championship. They just don't book it right. I mean, you saw this. How how long was Shinsuke Nakamura actually out there on air tonight? Probably like what 30 seconds. You can add up the past couple of months, and he probably only got like 10 minutes of airtime. So that's just, I mean, if you don't have anything for this champion. Or this championship, I should say, like that's a, that's shame on you because you have the wrestlers for it. Your roster is pretty damn good. Otherwise, if it wasn't, why the hell are you releasing people every two weeks? You know, so something's got to give, you know, I don't really know what it is, but we have no reason to believe that they're going to do, do anything better with this intercontinental championship. Although Sami Zayn is going to get his opportunity. So at the very least, I want to see Sami win just to see some change, just to, just to get that title off Shinsuke. It has a bad, sent to it it just it's synonymous with him misbooking booking it so i think he needs to get that championship off of his waist what's your opinion on that and i guess the whole sammy Zayn conspiracy theory jackass uh dynamic
0: well i mean i wasn't too into the insane episode i guess you could say you know it was it was just kind of weird i mean, i don't know why he's coming even having a little feud with johnny knoxville i mean kind of puts him at like a lower part of the ladder in my opinion <clears throat> but the Shinsky thing, I kind of came in on him whenever he was well, right before he took the the crown from King Corbin. Yeah. So it was it was kind of around that time. So of course, like I, yeah, you haven't seen anything go on with it. So I that it kind of makes it like unnoticeable to me. I guess if it doesn't, it really even exists, you know? Yeah. Coming in, you know, like you said, Rick Boogs is always the one that's either fighting his match or. I don't know, protect them. I guess you could say. So I mean, like I said, I, I don't really see like a like a plan for it as of right now. So be, being exchanged of hands and stuff like that, I guess that would be kind of cool. But um, like I said, it's it's just like a imaginary thing as of right now for me.
1: Yeah, like it's just a prop. Like that's mm-hmm. all it is. It's just like it's no different than Apollo Cruz's little scepter thing that he had when he was walking out there. That's pretty much yeah. all it is. It's something to to make you look cool, and that's just. It's just crazy to me, but we'll go ahead and move on. What's no? Go ahead. What's up? Oh,
0: I kind of felt like as if the having the king, the crown, was like a little bit more because they're moving on with that little storyline, you know, with like King Woods and everything now. So I felt like if he would have held that onto that, that would have been a better,
1: better spotlight for him. Yeah, I guess you could say. Oh yeah, most definitely. I definitely agree with that. But let's go ahead and transition into something else. We get somebody makes their singles debut, and it's Aaliyah she has a match against Natalia and before this match they both have a little bit of an interaction with the backstage interviewer i think it's Megan i believe her, is her first name can't remember her last name they kind of switch it up a little bit Meg or kayla braxton is usually the smackdown backstage interview person that's usually who it's always been for the longest time that i've been covering the show at least but anyways they both have a little interaction with the interviewer and Natalia brags about her 3 guinness world records that she has and she says that tonight she's going to go for 4 And she's going to try to get the fastest win in WWE history, which is 3.8 seconds held by Trish Stratus. So Natty, in this scenario, she's playing chestnut checkers. Why? Because before the match even starts, she goes and she attacks Aaliyah. She puts a little bit of a beating on her before the match to kind of get that advantage. So whenever the bell finally rings, she's already got, you know, the upper hand. Aaliyah's already beat the you-know-what. She really can't even stand up. The referee asks her, hey, can you go on here? Can you do this match? He eventually decides that she's unable to compete, but Aaliyah convinces him that she's all right, and they start the match anyway. And guess what happens? Aaliyah is the one who immediately gets the roll up, and she breaks the record herself, 3.17 seconds. So Aaliyah gets in the record books here. I mean, it's it's one of the the only times that there's a little bit of I don't know what word to say behind it. I guess. Man, I I wish I knew exactly what word is on the tip of my tongue, but you know, I'll bring a, a something I do here on the show is I use football analogies. So for for example, Michael Strahan up until this year had the single season sack record with 22 and a half sacks, and whenever he got his record breaking sack, Brett Favre historically just fell down and gave it to him, like kind of just said, no, you get the record, I'm gonna give you this sack. And Strahan didn't like that. He wanted to earn it. He didn't want to be remembered like that. Like he didn't want his record breaking sack to be viewed and remembered in highlight reels as like Brett Favre falling down. So it's actually like a historic thing where like people say that, Hey, you didn't earn that record. Brett Favre gave it to you. There's a lot of things like that where, you know, basically that that record has been, has had a little bit of an asterisk next to it until now. TJ Watt kind of tied it. And even it still does cause it's 17 and a half, cause it's 17 games, but we're not even going to go into football. We're kind of getting a little bit too, Too deep into that, but what I'm saying here is the record that Aaliyah set has a little bit of a, of a forced narrative to it because all of Natalia's records, they were built over time. Like they did, like WWE didn't plan it. They didn't book Natalia to win all these pay-per-view matches, to win all these singles matches and have this, you know, really decorative career. To say, all right, and all this is planned so she can have three Guinness World Records. Like they didn't plan it. It just so happened to work out like that. So it's cool. Like I'm a Natalia fan. I have a picture with her and everything. I have a two paws shirt. Like I love Natalia, but it's just, um, seeing that they forced, I mean, whenever they came out, whenever she acknowledged it, she pointed it out to us, Hey, I'm about to break a record. Just so y'all know, so y'all be paying attention. This is going to be a really quick match here. I knew right then something was going to happen. And then whenever Aaliyah did it. So you kind of knew. I mean, shout out to Aaliyah. She gets the record. She wins her first singles debut match after getting cheap shotted before the thing goes. I mean, definitely on, you know, onto a good start, I guess you could say. But either way, I I thought this segment was entertaining, to say the least. I mean, it doesn't have to, you know, be hit out of the park for me to have a good time watching it. I feel like that's one of them. Where um, they kind of teased her record being broken and it was kind of the other way, the, the one you really didn't expect, expect, especially after she was attacked before the match. Whenever I saw her get attacked before the match, I thought Natty was definitely going to win. Oh, She's going to get that record, and that's going to be her new thing if she's going to start like just – like her, her gimmick is going to be her just getting all of these pointless uh, records and cheating to get them. But that wasn't the case. Aaliyah gets it. So what was your opinion on this whole little thing?
0: Uh, I mean, I kind of liked it. I mean, it was a good, like you said, uh, singles debut for Aaliyah. So, um, for her to get that little, I guess you could say give me record. I mean, I I think it was kind of good for, you know, it's kind of a good little jump start for her and, or coming to SmackDown and everything like that. Um, I kind of took it wrong whenever uh, Natalia was holding that freaking, book the whole time you know yeah i was like what is she doing you know just trying to boast and everything like that so i kind of like like my head was already like kind of turning right there as if why she was doing that the whole time because she like made it like very presentable that you had to see that you know yeah i kind of get that she was going for that fourth one but i kind of thought yeah there's there's something about to happen here so i was kind of already gone on the uh book of like the the upset i guess you could say you know yeah
1: and just her tone, Like her tone did it for me. Like you didn't have to be watching. Like if you were looking down at your phone, and you could just hear Natalia talking about her three world records. Like she just, she sounded so serious. She sounded determined. Like I thought or she sounded determined. Like I really thought she was gonna do this. So, shout out to Aliyah You know, I mean, it's not her fault. She beat two in front of her. She got the win here. In a nice little exciting way, a different way to start a career. But. Where Aaliyah is at the very, very beginning of her career, the next lady we're going to talk about is at the very opposite end of her career, Mm -hmm. and it's Lita. Michael Cole welcomes Lita to SmackDown for the first time in 20 years, and this is pretty badass seeing Lita. I'm not going to lie. I was a huge fan in the Ruthless Aggression era. She obviously kind of debuted there at the end of the Attitude era, but still you know, I was there for Lita's heyday. I saw all four of her championship reigns. Hall of Famer, like Michael Cole mentioned, I mean, just one of a kind. You really don't get any better than Lita, especially in the ring. And she's been one of the women who I've kind of like argued with people about. Like people have kind of, you know, came at me and talked about, you know, how Charlotte, in their opinion, is the greatest women's wrestler of all time. Like it's not even close. Like they're just like, you know, she might as well retire right now. Well, their argument for that is, you know, her her championship reigns, you know, how she's had like 14 or 13, however many she's had. She's had a lot of championship title reigns. And that's usually people's argument, you know, is is what is um, all of the I guess you can say just how decorative her career has been over the years. And, yes, she has way more championships than Lita. But if you get these two women in the ring, like if you see, number one, Lita got in the WWE way different than Charlotte did. Lita's not Ric Flair's daughter. You know, no offense to Charlotte. She's without a doubt one of the best in the entire industry right now. She holds her own. She's one of the best on the mic. And I'll say it right now in terms of promo. Charlotte Flair is the best promo in terms of the women in all of WWE. What she says is real, doesn't feel scripted, it just, you never know what you're gonna hear from her. She sometimes crosses that line, she takes those shots, she makes you like, you know, she feels like she's an absolute, you know what, you know, so. That's one thing I appreciate about Charlotte, but seeing her in this, in this, uh, segment with Lita, cause that, that's what happens, I kinda tip the hand a little bit, but Charlotte does eventually come out because, Cole asks Lita why she's entering the Royal Rumble, and Lita says that she thinks she has one more run left in her, and she says that she has a plan, which is to enter the Royal Rumble, win it in main event WrestleMania, and that's whenever Charlotte's music hits, and she comes out, and uh, she enters the conversation. In fact, she takes over the interview, which Michael Cole was having, which this interview is basically just her trying to poke fun at the quote-unquote extreme tagline that Lita helped make famous over the years, which is basically just her gimmick with Team Extreme. And uh, she tells Lita that she's going to eliminate her from the Royal Rumble herself. And then she asks Lita what she's going to do whenever Charlotte ends her short little comeback in like less than a month, however long it's going to be. And then uh, Lita makes a little bit of a comeback, taking a shot at Charlotte's big head. I think that it was a figurative – you know, Shaw, but I think maybe there's a little bit of a literal feel to that too. Like she was saying, hey, you got a big head. You know, what I mean, if someone's, you know, poking fun at you, you're going to say what you want back. And yeah, she made it seem like she meant it figuratively saying like, yeah, you have a big head. You're really egotistical. But you know, the way, um, Charlotte's hair was, you know, really that tight bun at the top, I could see Lita maybe taking a shot there is all I'm saying. But anyways. They, um, Charlotte actually brings up Trish Stratus, and then she claims that Trish begged her for a match at SummerSlam 2019 whenever they went one on, uh, one-on-one. And then Charlotte sh- says that that's actually the match that broke Trish Stratus and made her retire. And at the Royal Rumble, Charlotte says that she is going to do the exact same thing to Lita. And this is where I really liked it because Lita, like, pretended to slap Charlotte, and Charlotte just, like, kind of cowered down and flinched. And then uh Lita hits her with the twist of fate. Which Charlotte sold so terrible. Like this was the worst sell job for a twist to pay I've ever seen in my life. Like you could tell. I don't know if it was just she didn't want to mess her hair up, if she didn't want to mess her makeup up. I mean she, her her head did not hit the mat at all. It was her hands. Just go back and watch this because, I mean, you could tell there's a such a thing as selling and people are good at it and some people aren't. And, I mean, she was in high heels. She was dressed to the nine. She clearly wasn't going to compete that night. So the fact that she took a bump and you know, in of itself is crazy. But, I mean, if you're going to take a bump – take the damn pump and it was just kind of weird that she didn't hit her head it was just a bad job that's one thing that i'll say i mean people call charlotte the goat i know charlotte do stuff like that all the time and i'm not taking a shot at her i'm just saying i mean just little things like that like just kind of rub me the wrong way but what was your opinion on lita i mean like i said i know you didn't get a chance to to see her in her heyday they didn't show her like a video package really like they did for the shield throughout the show so you didn't get a little bit of an introduction for her all you got to do is hear her badass theme song all of the accolades that Michael Cole was listing off and then see her have a little bit of a verbal altercation with Charlotte Flair. I mean, are, are you excited to um maybe get familiar with Lita whenever the Royal Rumble comes?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, a- any uh woman that takes a shot at freaking Charlotte, go ahead. You know, I give you a round of applause for me. I just, Charlotte's not just somebody that I want to see. She keeps driving, but of course she's the big name like you're saying, but Anytime she gets slapped or anything like that, I mean, that's definitely a little laugh for me, you know? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and like you are saying, uh, not, not really too familiar with, uh, Lita. Uh, I mean, she seems like she can bring some excitement to the table, but, uh, other than that, I don't know her. I mean, I could say like the twist Freak, that was a cool thing to see, you know? Yeah. Jeff yep Hardy that.
1: does that, you know? Yeah. That, that, that's who she came up with was the Hardy boys.
0: Yeah, so I seeing that little revelance.
1: or yeah, her that, entrance, did say. you see her yeah. little entrance when she was doing that? It's reminiscent mm-hmm. to Jeff Hardy. I mean, there are there. I mean, I'm telling you right now, you got to go watch some Lita. But seriously, you got to watch Lita and Edge. Type it in on Monday night or Monday Night Raw. You got to type it in. I promise you, you gotcha. will not regret it. But anyways, we can go ahead and move on here throughout the show, and uh we'll move on to this Sheamus versus Ricochet match. Mm-hmm. And one thing I noticed here. Because we've seen these you go at it before. We've seen him go at it on Monday Night Raw. And I've seen Ricochet go at it with a lot of people like Sheamus. And one thing I noticed is Ricochet just matches up well with big guys for whatever reason. Like for as small as he is, he's the type of wrestler that can really match up with those big guys and make it seem believable because like he'll sell their moves really well. Like that's one person who – you want to talk about selling? Ricochet is the best in the entire WWE at that. Like he makes these shots look real. He can put over anybody because that's the thing like – who you're wrestling with your quote unquote dancing partner has a lot to do with making you look good like the undertaker was famous for this for like going in a match cuz the undertaker was this you know well known dominant huge figure anytime you like would get some offense in on the undertaker the crowd would be like oh my gosh like is this dude the real deal like he's beating the undertaker right now so the undertaker had a history of like making sure to get your finishing move in the, in those matches with him making sure to like give you spots where you look really good i mean that's just what you call like paying it back you know, you're returning the favor to the business. Someone likely did that to you earlier in your career and it's just your job to to pay it forward, you know, the next generation. So the Undertaker is somebody who does that a lot and uh and and ricochet, he's somebody who if he gets in a match, he can make you look like a million bucks. Like literally, if he got in the match if he got in the ring with me and He's you know, I just tried to clothesline him He could literally do like a backflip and a half and make it seem like I actually took his head off Like that's just the type of guy he is So the fact that he goes against sheamus he makes all of his moves set look absolutely painful and brutal But uh, he does his best in this match has a couple of near falls But it's not enough because he does run into a broke kick after trying to bounce off the rope something that he always does This one was kind of cool because he bounces right off the rope Into a broke kick sheamus pins him and gets a little bit of redemption for his protege Ridge Holland, who is on the shelf with that broken nose, I'm sure you saw the replay of him taking the heel to the nose, and that's the thing about wrestling that people don't realize. Yeah, I mean, people know that the injuries are, and stuff aren't quote unquote real, but there are accidents that happen. Like if you go out there and you try to power bomb somebody, you're likely gonna break someone's neck. You know, <laughs> you can't just go out and do stuff like that. So uh, there are ways to do it. Clearly, that was an accident there. You always got to be careful, but uh, that's just an ugly injury there. I've actually seen Sheamus get his nose broken. I actually need to show you that video of Cesaro though, of him getting his teeth knocked inside of his gums. Yeah, that's uh that's a big one. I'm gonna show you that one tonight actually whenever we're finished recording. But anyways, what are your thoughts on this one? You got anything to add about this Seamus and Ricochet match? Uh
0: not too much. I mean just going with emotions on this one, I guess you could say. Um didn't really or the Ridge Holland I well, was not too much of a fan of him, you know. I'd rather see Seamus come out by himself, but I kind of get, like, the pairing on, you know, the the similarity between the two, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, like you say, Ricochet, Rick he's definitely, like, a, a a good actor, I guess you could say. Yeah, because everything, like, he does, even, like, all the high-flying over ropes and everything yeah. like that, it's, it's crazy, like, how in tune he is with his body and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was definitely a good, a good match to watch, you know i mean not not like a good story behind it but a good overall match
1: yeah there really wasn't a story other than the rich holland stuff that's pretty much all it was Seamus even cut that promo before the match saying that he looks weird and being by himself because somebody isn't mm-hmm. there beside him his right hand man so that's really all this was so anyways we can go ahead and move on here to another segment and it's a backstage segment and adam pierce and sonia deville they keep referencing the temperature like they keep referencing the heat and they go to the thermostat and they're like oh it's getting hot in here and Adam Pearce eventually takes off his jacket, but they never follow up on it. They never tell you why. Like, there was nothing. I mean, did I miss something on that? Oh, no. It was just a, like, straightforward type of thing.
0: I was just I was falling in line with somewhere how getting that jacket off her, I guess you could say, you know.
1: Yeah. Like oh, something. okay. I get it. Now you're right. Yeah. <coughs> yeah Naomi I mean, but, is the one who was adjusting mm-hmm. the, the heat just so soon. Yeah. You see, and that's why I need you here. Cause I would have sounded like, you know, a Jagoff over here freaking.
0: Trying yeah, to say that I, I mean I, I didn't really see like the like it had to happen you know like
1: no but it makes sense the, the, yeah. the, that's the that's connecting the dots right there you know I was mm-hmm. sitting here thinking they didn't connect the loose ends you know they just kind of left it untied why the hell are you mentioning the thermostat and all that stuff but yeah it's clear because once Sonya Deville took off her jacket Naomi walks up and she says yeah, all right, true. you got that yeah. jacket off and that's where we'll go right here because that's what happens next. Naomi appears, and she tries to corner Sonya Deville, and she doubles down and, you know, demands some answers for getting screwed last week by Sonya, and Adam Pearce agrees, says that wasn't right, and he says, quote-unquote, that they're going to run it back, and they're going to give Charlotte and Naomi that one-on-one match next week on SmackDown in – I forgot exactly where it was. Nashville, Tennessee? I think it was. They announced where it was. I think that's where it is, but anyways. Yeah, so we're going to get a one-on-one match next week, Charlotte versus Naomi, and like I said – some way, somehow, Sonya's gonna make an appearance. She's gonna make her presence felt. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe she decides to be the special guest referee or something, because that's something that they've, uh, that they've tried in the past. But anyways, we will go ahead and transition over to Kofi Kingston. He gathers all of the WWE, I guess, universe is what he's doing. Because he's in the middle of the ring and he has a proclamation of the king, and it's basically just Xavier Woods saying that he suffered a calf injury and he's going to have to miss the Royal Rumble. But Kofi Kingston in this segment he declares for the Royal Rumble, so prepare for a vintage Kofi Kingston Royal Rumble moment where he doesn't let his feet hit the ground. Uh, have you seen any of those in the past? I didn't see
0: that um, it, it was kind of crazy seeing him freaking, I guess, hand crawl all the way back over to the steps and everything like that. It's kind of like a like I, I see I see Naomi doing this in the future you know and this got coming for some reason she know, actually like, has
1: yeah done it in the past doing that
0: you know so, yeah so i mean that's something i'm kind of looking forward to especially like whenever i uh, ended up seeing the video Kofi doing it i was like there, there there's something or for for me there's something tying in with Naomi on this part of the you know just cuz it, it, it happened to pop up in the WWE feed and everything like that and i was like I wonder why.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that,
0: that, that's just something I was just like, you know, kind of uh, trying to put together and everything like that. Just me.
1: Yeah. So it, it's a good moment, you know, whenever Kofi Kingston declares for the Royal Rumble, gives himself an opportunity to win it, maybe main event WrestleMania, all that good stuff. Well, all the good stuff happens, or I guess it comes to an end right here whenever the happy folks come out and they start to antagonize Kofi Kingston poke fun at him and you know tell their jokes this and that and eventually ends up getting a one-on-one match between madcap moss and kofi kingston not a very long match baron corbin is in the corner and at ringside for madcap so obviously the advantage is for kofi and madcap ends up winning with the punchline his second week in a row to use that move to win a match so i mean i really don't have anything on this one i mean it's kind of just a little bit of a filler. Kofi Kingston wanted to declare uh, for the Royal Rumble. They wanted to get that out there while also letting us know that Xavier Woods is injured. However, they wanted to get Madcap and Baron Corbin's a little bit of airtime. So what do they do? They bring those guys out. Also, a little bit of a good time, a little coincidence to show the video package of them injuring Drew McIntyre. To remind you, Drew McIntyre is on the shelf, but don't worry. Like I said, Royal Rumble season is back. That's the time of year where comebacks happen. That's whenever – if you got injured during the summer, like Bailey, for example, she is – you know, candidate number one to make their comeback at the Royal Rumble. Keep in mind that they're going to announce a lot of these entrants into the women's Royal Rumble match. They've already announced a lot of them. I'm kind of disappointed that they already announced some of them, like some of the surprises of some of the returns, for instance, like the Bella twins. That's one that I really wish they would have, you know, saved for a surprise. That would have been pretty cool there, but I do think that maybe Bailey and some other people who have been dealing with injuries might be making their return around Royal Rumble season. That's just kind of like clockwork. That's how the, that's how the calendar ends up working but anyways let's see where we are here in the show like i said yeah madcap ends up winning with the punchline that's pretty much it like i said i don't really have anything to add on this one uh do you got anything to say on this one before we move on to the main event uh i
0: really didn't have much for this one I mean, of course you know like you said it's just come out and you know you know did you kind of get into it with what uh Kofi, and then what kind of like popped out to me was whenever he like hit the, or Kofi hit the mat and started doing like a little seizure type laugh. Yeah. That thing, that that was pretty funny to me, so I mean, I don't know. I mean, but I am kind of like falling onto this madcap train. I am starting to like, like, what what they're doing, what them are Yeah, like that, being more involved rather than uh, Corbin. So, I mean, I'm definitely on that train, so I, I kind of see good things happening for him. Other than yeah. that, kind of the uh, touch on the Bailey thing, I did see that she is um on the recovery to be back in March.
1: So, oh, in March? Yeah. Well that kinda that kinda you know craps all over my Royal Rumble prediction, but still mm. WrestleMania season. Yeah. She could do some out of ring stuff. She could come back, you know, around, you know, post rumble, cheat somebody out. You know, who 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 is somebody she wants to attack? You know, she doesn't have to get in the ring, but she could just be, you know, doing some Sonya Deville stuff. She isn't medically cleared, so you can't put your hands on her. But she could be doing that type of stuff, you know, setting herself up for a rivalry. So there are ways to get her eased back into it. I'm not sure if they want her first match to be at Mania. I'm sure she might love that, but either way, Bailey's on her way back and I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah.
0: I kind of like the, like the feud that was going on between her and I believe it was Bianca Belair at the time. That, that was what kind of uh, yeah kept, kept me on to like the i guess the backstory of her you know and then of course like whenever she got hurt in july that kind of like threw me off too so i was like Gosh.
1: yeah that was bianca belair's like first actual program as the champion you know she had that mm-hmm. program with becky lynch whenever she was the challenger she finally climbed the mountain all that good stuff and now that you know well after she already won the championship i guess is what i'm trying to say Bailey was that, you know, her first dancing partner. So Bianca Belair, Bailey, that's a good historic matchup there on SmackDown. I really enjoyed getting the chance to cover that. But I would love to see that again. I mean, I don't know what yeah. show Bailey's gonna come back to, if she's gonna go to Raw, whatever. I mean, I'm sure we could definitely use her over here on SmackDown, but either way, I'm excited to see Bailey back. She she's definitely been missed. She's kinda like the female version of Seth Rollins. Like they both have that laugh, they both are kind of just that annoying presence, that arrogance that arrogant presence. But they could back it up in the ring, so you really can't say a whole lot about it because I mean it's just who they are. However, I will say, you miss the like, the the babyface version of Bailey, the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man, and the her entrance and all that good stuff where she was the the hugging section and all that stuff. You need to go back and check that out and just compare it and you will definitely, I mean, she was good then too. I mean, that's what got her to the main roster, but there's a reason why she had to have a character switch and it was one of those things that lasted way too long and the crowd was definitely starting to sour on her, but excited yeah. to see her back. Let's, let's go ahead and move on here to the main event. And this was actually pretty juicy. They hyped it up throughout the show. They showed, you know, the, the, the glory days of the shield whenever they were running rampade or Rampid on the entire WWE roster. They showed the inevitable turn, the eventual turn of Seth Rollins whenever he cheap shotted Roman Reigns. And just a little bit of a side note here. I don't know, I don't know if you know this or not. I've told the listeners, but I don't know if I've told you and maybe new listeners haven't heard this yet. But whenever I stopped watching wrestling in like 2000, I want to say like eight or nine, whenever the PG era really started is when I got out of it and all the wrestlers I was familiar with, I noticed they were kind of starting to transition, move out of wrestling i stopped watching for a while until i was kind of just you know on a monday evening just kind of surfing through the channels and monday night raw's on so i'm like hey i haven't seen wrestling in a really long time nothing else is on i I wouldn't mind seeing what's going on and just peeking in so that's what i do i click on it and the segment that's on is that segment where seth rollins turns on roman reigns and dean ambrose i didn't know who any of these characters were i just saw i mean I, i watched wrestling i'm a wrestling fan it's in my blood i literally like could tell a good storyline whenever I see one. So I just saw it in all their faces. I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is huge. And saw so them end up turning on him and it just, it just reminded me of a little bit and it kind of sparked it. Like it, it sparked that interest. It didn't get lit, you know, the fire didn't get lit that night. You know, I kind of, I slowly kind of peeked in here and there throughout the next coming months. Every now and then I didn't tune in, catch every, every episode of Raw, but I would peek in here and there and I eventually came back, and the fire was lit and the Royal Rumble that Roman Reigns won, eventually getting to WrestleMania 31, and that's kind of what did it. And that's another video package that they highlight is WrestleMania 31, where I was kind of telling you about earlier Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins makes his appearance in that. That's one of the matches for sure. You're going to have a long list of things that I tell you that you're going to have to go back and watch. (laughs) That's definitely one of them, though, and you'll be glad you did because, I mean, as soon as the bell rings – it doesn't look like a wrestling match between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. It's their first actual match. They don't have the chemistry together. There's some stiff shots that get landed in that match, I will say. But anyways, what I was trying to say there was the video package where Seth Rollins turned on Roman Reigns. That's kind of where I got in that little bit of a wormhole. They showed that one. And then, like we said, WrestleMania 31. So they showed the video package. They hyped up this face to face. To really get you excited for it. And I was. I mean I haven't seen Seth Rollins in a while now. Since like the day one pay-per-view. I got a little bit of Seth Rollins action. But other than that. I've been watching Raw. So I haven't really been able to see Seth. And I mean I definitely miss seeing him. He's an entertaining dude. He's somebody that's believable. When you talk about an opponent for Roman Reigns. Because he is just as good. If not better. Than Roman Reigns. And they get in the ring together. They do have that little bit of a face-to-face. Seth tried to get him to acknowledge the shield. You know by putting his fist out there. Trying to get him to do it. Roman Reigns says that that's beneath him now. And then. Seth says, come on, Roman. He kind of just starts to joke around with him a little bit, brings up his facial, expression, his facial expression whenever Roman Reigns saw Seth Rollins walk in the room last week and found out that he was going to be his next challenger. And Seth says that he understands why Roman wouldn't want to see him as his next uh, number one contender, and he understands why he doesn't want to face Seth Rollins, and it's because their history, and it's very one-sided. Seth Rollins has gotten the better of Roman Reigns time after time. I don't expect that to be the case now. We'll see if that does happen, though. I mean, to me, I feel like this is a little bit more of a coin flip than what Roman Reigns' past opponents have been. But um, as far as verbal back and forth, Seth Rollins is really on another level. I know Roman Reigns has really done well over the past couple of years, mainly this past year, but really, Seth Rollins, he's the full package. I mean, he's, like, cut from the same cloth as Edge when you talk about just, like, a total character where from in-ring work to promo work, to facial expressions, everything about his character. He really does like become his character and everything about it. But anyways, because he brings up their, their rivalry, you know, how one-sided it is, Roman Reigns kind of laughs at the fact that Seth Rollins is just bringing up the past and even claims that he, Roman Reigns that is, is in God mode now. So anything that he's done in the past is irrelevant, you know, because Roman Reigns is on a whole nother level now. One that he and Seth Rollins and nobody even imagined that he would go to. So what's it matter if you beat him three years ago? You know, that Roman Reigns is dead now. This is a new Roman Reigns. So there's a very good chance that Seth Rollins just has not seen this version of Roman Reigns, the one that he's actually going to, you know, be seeing at the Royal Rumble. Roman goes on to say that he's the greatest universal champion of all time. Still no lies detected there either. He really is the greatest universal champion. But Seth Rollins kind of turns it up a little bit here and he starts to hit Roman Reigns where it hurts. He brings up his football career says that Roman Reigns has really always needed help. You know, Roman Reigns has never done anything by himself. Back in the days, whenever he was riding the bench in those CFL days, Seth Rollins was climbing up the ladder by himself, you know, without anybody's help, building a name for himself and establishing himself in the wrestling industry. And Roman Reigns needed help. He needed his famous last name and all that stuff to get in the door. And once he did get in the door, he needed Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins' help in the shield and all that stuff. He's basically saying that, He had to hold Roman Reigns hand throughout the entire process until he eventually went on his own and it was a little bit suspect for, you know, the four or five year run when he was by himself gets with Roman or gets with, uh, with Paul Heyman and magically gets shot right back up to the top again. So that's basically what Seth Rollins was, was saying. And he was saying, so no, it doesn't surprise me that you need me right now to make you relevant again here in this Royal Rumble match for your universal championship. And this is where Roman saves it, I will say, because Seth Rollins was winning. I feel like in this moment he was kind of running circles around Roman. But Roman does kind of save it and get the edge back a little bit whenever he says that he didn't even want to call Seth Rollins. you know, Seth Rollins wasn't even his choice. Like if he was going to have a mega star matchup with somebody, Seth Rollins wouldn't even be his first choice in his own household. He says that he would have much rather called Becky Lynch to have that matchup, and that's where uh, Seth Rollins kind of – you could tell he kind of gets under his skin a little bit. He starts to get closer to Roman Reigns and then the Usos sneak up from behind him. Seth Rollins ducks, narrowly escapes the Usos. He does leave untouched and kind of turns this thing up a little bit and things get interesting now. So between these two dudes, I mean, the gloves are kind of coming off. They're, they're, you know, they're getting kind of personal here. He's talking about his wife. He's talking about his failed football career. They're starting to actually go out at each other. These two dudes really used to be like best friends that traveled together. So they know each other. I mean, Seth Rollins knows that Roman Reigns was getting booed out of buildings for years on end like it was it was crazy whenever roman reigns was the was that baby face role so there's a lot of stuff seth rollins could say here the promos the back and forth that's really what i'm looking forward to obviously the matchup when these two guys meet at the Royal rumble looking forward to that for sure but the verbal exchanges that's what i'm really looking forward to with these guys and we kind of saw a little bit of that tonight
0: yeah on this uh, i was really like intrigued by everything that was happening especially like last week whenever they or whenever Seth Rollins walked into the locker room at the end of the show.
1: Yeah, you know, I didn't expect it.
0: Yeah, I was, was kind of like, okay. I mean, kind of rubbed my hands together, you know. Like I had said earlier in the show that uh, you know Seth, Seth is the person that I kind of like, or you know, followed. I guess you could say more. So it's kind of cool to see him making his way back into like the good, like championship yeah. level. I guess you could say main event
1: know. picture exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I mean, been kind of on the raw side following him a lot, so, I mean, it's kind of cool, like I said, seeing him over here, um, and there was a couple things that pointed out to me, you know, like, I didn't know that freaking Becky Lynch was his wife, you know? You didn't know that? I did not know that, so, like, whenever Roman had mentioned that, he was like, I'd rather fight your wife, I was like, well, who the heck's his wife, you know, so I looked it up and I was freaking mind blown.
1: Oh my I god, like, what I had no idea. Guess.
0: Yeah, man, some make fun of me a little bit, laugh here and there, but that was a little news to me. I was like, gosh, dang.
1: Well, Uh, dude, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you right now. All right. If something that (laughs) obvious, like if something that like that's out (laughs) in the open is, is is unknown to you, dude, there is so many stones that we're going to overturn here. There's going to be so many things that you're going to learn that you're probably, uh, I mean, you you know about Carmella and Corey Graves, right? No. Well, them two are an item. They're engaged as well. There's a lot of other relationships. Throughout the WWE It looks like I'm going to have to I'm going to have to catch you up A little bit on some of the Some of the tea That's going on there In the WWE world
0: Yeah it's going to be a good uh, Year in 2022 You know So I mean Or 2022 Yeah So I mean I believe Like following throughout the story And everything like that I mean it's definitely Going to catch me up Like on a lot of stuff Because like there is Like I told you Personally you know I want to go back into Watching, like, everything from, like, all the way back then to, like, present day.
1: Yeah, Attitude Era. You know? the, 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 that's when you start. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, you know, between us, if you were to start the Ruthless, ruthless Aggression Era, it would be pretty badass, too. You'd have a pretty good experience. <laughs> but, hey, yeah, you don't want to miss the Attitude Era. I mean, that's the, you know, the proclaimed best era in wrestling. But I can mm-hmm. tell you right now, I was a WCW guy in the late 90s. I didn't really get a chance to watch all of that Attitude Era stuff. I'm, I'm objective whenever I say, like, it's obviously the best era, like, of all time in terms of, like… Mm-hmm universally loved but me i'm a ruthless aggression era guy 2002 2007 that's the window right there man in terms of like my fandom that i uh, i really fell in love with wrestling but man i really want to thank you for coming on here with me tonight covering this smackdown with me it was fun having a chance to have another another voice on here a new voice a new fan you know these uh these conversations these discussions are going to be fun as we continue to learn what you don't know and you know try to you know fill you in a little bit let you have you know a new lens that you can look through. I, you oh, know yeah. as you're watching wrestling, you can kind of pay attention to to other things and just kind of have a new experience. But I mean, is there anything you want to say, any shout outs you want to give, anything you want to plug before we sign off here? Well,
0: I definitely want to give a shout out to you, man. I mean, de- definitely this is a this is opening a new door for me, I guess you could say, you know, opening my or spreading my wings to something that's uncomfortable to me, I guess you could say in a way. I mean, because we could talk about this all day. Normally, I guess you could say. So yeah. now I just gotta like make it transition into a a viewers thing, you know?
1: Yeah,
0: oh yeah. So I definitely appreciate you, man. Good work on everything that you're doing. Podcast here, SmackDown review, the, the football function. You know, if you're into football, you like analytics. This guy will keep you updated, man. So definitely follow this guy. And yeah, I mean, like I said, just another appreciate or thank you to you for having
1: me on oh yeah dude i appreciate you joining me like i said this is uh this is fun i know it's different your first show the next time you do it you'll be a lot more comfortable it'll be a lot different you'll know what to expect all that good stuff so it only gets better from here but but i do appreciate you joining me uh as far as the listeners go i do want to thank you guys all for listening if you're a regular listener thank you so much for continuing to listen to this show if you're a new listener thank you so much for finding this episode and listening to it hopefully you We'll continue to do that in weeks to come. John is going to continue to come back and be a, you know, a, a regular voice here on the show. We want to kind of get his opinions. This is fun. I, I like this format here. I think it's going to be a nice little addition to the SmackDown review. So on that note, I hope you guys all have a fantastic weekend. Walk passionately in the direction of your dreams and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the WWE podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. and for all of these shows ad free head over to
1: patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time